to when cinephiles attack a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship i'm josh here with mella Lacey, and rashawn all right y'all we got a jam-packed episode so i want to make this quick if you don't like rate review don't. and follow us on apple Podcasts, stop threatening them your mom's a hoe no no what have you what have you guys watched <laughs> oh my god i i am stepping in as their eternal defender quit it not now so me and Lacey, we've been watching Made on Netflix. It's so good. So ridiculously good. It's a little heavy. They do such a good job of balancing really, really heavy storytelling with almost whimsical and like mm-hmm. fourth wall breaking moments throughout yeah. the show. It's so good. What do you think? Yeah, I was really surprised at like the tone. Because I really thought mm-hmm. I was going to get in here and it was going to be like this really heavy drama, which I guess it is. But like you said, they definitely cut that with, uh, yeah, whimsy. It's just like a little comedic, kind of like a dark comedy. Okay, this is the way you do this. Because I watched like five episodes in a row. And I was Same. Like, I fucking Same. hate the U.S. government. I hate all this shit. I hate healthcare. <laughs> like, I just was like, I need a fucking break. But I think the the way that they balance it is really smart the first few episodes i was like oh where's it gonna go and now every episode i'm like okay who's gonna fuck it up this time right who's gonna gonna ruin it this time for her uh some of the cinephiles went and saw last night in soho in the theaters and i i i I don't i don't know i don't know i know edgar wright is a phenomenal filmmaker i know that i know he's got a great eye and a great ear i think everyone should go see it and form an opinion for themselves because i still don't know and it's been a week I'm so excited to watch because literally everyone's like, I, I just don't know. I'm like, okay, let me let me decide for y'all then. I'm saying some people love it on a rewatch. Some people hate it on a rewatch. It's, I don't know. Go support Edgar Wright. That's all I got to say. Being removed from it now, I liked it overall. I do want to do a rewatch of it and see if that changes my opinion in any way, shape, or form. I don't know if it really knows what it is, but okay. I still dug it. I had a good time. Okay. Was Anya good? Oh, yeah. Josh, everyone was great. Always great. Yeah, everyone yeah. was very, very good. Yeah. Rashawn? Oh, I know how I felt. Um, <laughs> the, the more I think about it, the angrier I get. So Nice. nice. Angrier? Angrier, yeah. That film made wow. me pretty angry. Wow. Yeah. But I will echo Josh's sentiment and say go support Edgar Wright. It's original filmmaking mm. he's a great director um and i, I won't say more because mo hasn't seen it yet but not for me <laughs> yeah maybe we'll talk about it in depth later once mel's seen it but this go in as blind as you can as well all right y'all before we get going on today's episode we had a little chat with patrick from over at star draft got to chat with him about the site his favorite movies rashawn roll that uh beautiful bean footage <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I do want to say I, really quick. Speaking of Netflix, I got to watch The Harder Day Fall. 
Oh, yes. <gasps> Incredible. It's a Western directed by James Samuel. It was produced by Jay-Z. Um, the movie and the soundtrack has Ooh. Kid Cudi, Lauren Hill, Come on. CeeLo Green, a bunch of dope people. The cast is insane. Regina King as a villain. Say fucking less. I loved it. I loved Michelle it. I loved rocked it. Up. It's, it's over two hours, so block out some time. I was out of my mind rocked up. It was It's so Brick good. shit house, you hear me? I've never, <laughs> I mean, you just don't get a lot of westerns with a fully black cast so yeah i I really really dug it i recommend it it might be one of my favorites of the year wow yeah so now roll that beautiful bean (laughs) ladies and gentlemen please welcome so today we have a very special guest on the show with us last year we were lucky enough to be sponsored by this amazing site called the star draft during last year's award season And now we have one of the creators of the site here with us to tell us about this upcoming season. So please welcome to the show, Patrick. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's lovely. Thank you all. Uh, Very pleased to be here uh, this wonderful evening. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for including us last year in, in the Star Draft. Definitely want to hear about all things that you have going on this year. But before we do that, we're going to put you through the works, if that's okay. (laughs) Please. That's why I'm here. So we'll start off a little easy. First question is, what is the movie that made you a cinephile? So so the movie that made me a cinephile, I'll just start with it. And maybe for other folks as well, is is Almost Famous. Now, when I first got into Almost Famous, I was like, this is the super interesting movie. It's this adolescent boy kind of around the same age as I was, got to hang out with older cool kids, the groupies, got to tour around with a band. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, this is a peak film experience. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. He's like maybe the coolest actor of all time. And I was like, well, this is the movie. Like, I'm clearly like the coolest guy. I discovered cinema before anybody else my age. (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, I listened to an episode, I think it's the Blank Check podcast, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's like every 13-year-old white boy's adolescent like dream is <laughs> that movie. And I was like, oh, so I'm just like the most basic movie watcher of all time. Um, <laughs> but, no, you know, I think everything about it, they, they even talked about it as like a bridge movie because it's like something that connects you from you. It's a movie about a kid, but it has like adult themes and has some nudity. Um, so if there's like, there's great like, for a 13 year old boy, <laughs> exactly. It's like right on my level. Um, and I was, I, I became like, so into two things as a result, which is like, kind of speaks to the age I was, it was like, Oh, like sixties and seventies music. I need to listen to all of it. And then the other thing was like, I need to see every Philip Seymour Hoffman movie out there. Yeah. Cause I was like, yeah. he's the best. So then I was like, cool, I'll, I'll go watch Capote. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get out. I was like, all right, this is a little different. I still think I'm hanging with it. And then and then I was like, all right, let's watch Happiness. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm not meant for peak cinema. Like maybe <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman masturbating on the phone with women is just not what I'm ready for. Um, yeah. Have you checked out uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead? I have not. No. Great opening scene. <laughs> Do you want Check that out. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that on my list of, of things to check out after this. But yeah, so Almost Famous is, is definitely the thing that got me into films. All right, Patrick, for $1 million, what movie could you quote from start to finish? 
So it, admittedly, not a great memory, but <laughs> from the stuff. It's fine. It's fine. But I think that the movie that I've seen the most, and it's going to be a strange one, and I apologize to you and I apologize to your listeners, it's Spotlight. And when you think oh, of... Shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I love a good khaki movie. So if you're unfamiliar with khaki movies, it's a genre I've made up. It's movies with, with people wearing khakis for most of the film and having lots of conversations. So examples of khaki movies, Spotlight, Fences, Moneyball, mm. even The Big Short, Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, like a lot you're of speaking these... my language, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I know The Big Short and Wolf of Wall Street involve a lot of suits as well, but there are a fair amount of khakis in those. You need, but, you should, yes. Do you have a letterbox to count? I do. I you do. should make a khaki movie letterbox. <laughs> there we go. That'll that'll be my my mission for the rest of this after I get off the pod. Huge fan of movies about journalism and the news. And then I'm a lapsed Catholic, so much so that I'm a converted, no longer Catholic. So anything taking down the Catholic Church, like I'm fully in for. Um, so I think it just con- connected a whole bunch of things that I was like really into. And give me as many Boston accents and Mark Ruffalo screaming. Robbie, they knew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for my favorite segment. Oh, uh, God. What we like to call pick a bone. Yeah. What, what is one opinion from a previous episode that one or any of us has had that you would like to pick a bone with? So I, I described in my previous section of my khaki movies, there was one of them that I, I would like to go back to, which was, you know, Sean assumed to know, which is Moneyball. Let's fucking go. Let's go. <laughs> What's up, Patrick? But, but Josh, we, we're going to actually start with you. Oh, because shit. No. <laughs> so I love Moneyball. Moneyball is one of my favorite movies of all time. I do get that the pacing can be slow. I understand it's not for everybody. I actually have that soundtrack I'll listen to when I'm like doing work, where it's just that like slow pacing, kind of like rising music. But I will say, Josh, I think when you were doing the intro, one of the things you described Moneyball was a comedy sports drama. Yeah, I take umbrage with, with comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hill would beg to differ. When you said it, I was like, oh, he must have said something else. I just misheard it. And I actually went back, hit the 15 <laughs> seconds. I was like, he didn't say comedy. Now, yes, there are some funny moments, but I, I wouldn't necessarily categorize it as a comedy per se. I even so much went to go look at the um, Golden Globes from that year. I was like, if anybody's going to get comedies wrong, it's the Golden Globes. It was not in that category. Um, <laughs> Maybe it should have been last on the list. I'll, I'll, I'll adhere to that criticism, but no further. No, I, I love it. Anything that involves a trading conversation with Ricardo Rincon, um, I'm in. Let's, let's do it. I'll like rewatch that YouTube clip over and over again of them just making trades. Yeah, it, the yeah the the trading the trading scene in the in the tape. We can't talk about Moneyball. No, wait, <laughs> <laughs> we can't get into it. That would be my, my one bone to pick. But I, otherwise, you know, I think you all were spot on. I went into Widows and I was like, oh, clearly they're all going to like dislike Widows. And I was like, oh, no, we're all on the same page. Widows is great. Yeah. It's oh, so great, good. Great. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you for indulging us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate uh, you letting so, me get out my takes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, I will definitely. Now I want to watch some Philip Seymour Hoffman movies because goddamn, he's so good. But. Let's talk about some Star Trek. I'll, I'll hand everything over to you. You want to kind of go into the history, what you guys do over there, and what you have coming up. The floor is yours. Sure. So as a simple pitch, it's 
fantasy sports. So like you're familiar with fantasy baseball, fantasy football, but this is for award shows. So how can you select the best team of celebrities to compete against with your friend? Um, that's kind of the really simple pitch. We've been around, I think since 2014, but really is just a couple of friends would sit around and play it. I think for the first you know, three or four years, it was just me and a couple of my friends on these really extensive Excel documents of keeping track of different point totals and getting into different award shows. Um, so if you're wondering kind of like what what's included in this, basically each team picks two celebrities from each of these three categories. So you get two celebrities from TV, film, and music. And you're able to kind of draft a team and put it together that you basically compete every time there's an award show. So whether that be the Critics' Choice Awards, the Grammy Awards, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, Oscars, Independent Spirit Awards, those are kind of the core components of the Star Draft Fantasy League. So basically, every time there's an award show, you know, if you have uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and he's up for a bunch of awards in this coming Oscar season, you're probably going to be doing all right in that season. Or if you have Olivia Rodrigo, <laughs> you're probably going to be doing pretty well at the Grammys based on how things are going. So that kind of gives you a sense. We're really, you know, a smaller organization. There's only a couple of us who run it. And it's really a hobby of ours that we've just kept going and we make it available for folks who want to play. It's not like we are some massive corporation, but it's more so a couple of friends doing something that we have a good time with and we enjoy playing with uh, the number, the growing number of folks who play on our site. When we all did it last year, that was some of the most fun I've had because literally everyone else that we drafted with in our league had never done any sort of fantasy draft ever. That's me. And, and it's a fantastic introduction to that world if you're really into the arts and maybe not so much into sports. It's great. It seem, it may seem daunting because you hear, you know, you hear the diehards talk about fantasy football and fantasy baseball and you hear them rattle off all these stats. And it's in, in terms of in terms of uh, research and stats and all that, nowhere near is 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 diehard as something like fantasy baseball. So it's for everybody. Absolutely. And, and in terms of like, you don't need to know who a tight end on some obscure football team is. Right. Like you're, you're familiar with Denzel Washington. You're familiar with Francis McDormand or Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio. Like you can, if you don't know anything even about the movies, you can pick people who you think are fun or that you like. Um, it's the easiest part about it. Are you pretty good about seeing every single performance? for the upcoming season is that is that something that you yourself go for that is something i go for i don't always achieve it but especially last year as it got hard to see a lot of films in theaters um but yeah. so I, i'm the one who primarily manages the actual ranking of celebrities so one of the things that we do for you if you've never been on our site or you've never drafted or you're kind of coming in you're like i don't know what movies are going to do well this year which ones aren't we kind of provide a list of them for you with probabilities of how well they're going to do so, like, because I'm going to be trying to rank as many as these possible, well, there's some calculus that goes into, hey, maybe this person's in a bunch of things this year. Maybe that makes them more, you know, they're going to win a few more awards. Like Adam Driver is not just in one movie this year. He's in a few movies that all have a shot at being nominated. So there's the calculus of, is there, are they turning out good performances? Are they in movies that are likely to get nominated? And are they you know, in a lot of things. So I think that th there's a lot of things in, at play that we try to simplify for the user and just say, hey, pick Adam Driver, he's likely to do well. 
it's very user-friendly. As someone who had never participated in any sort of fantasy draft before, I had the most fun. It's laid out so cleanly on your site too. I mean, it's very much you you feel that it was made for the users. So I thank you for that because it made my experience a ton of fun. No, it, it's, a, it's a good time. The draft's always fun. And then it gives you something to get, look forward to when it comes to the award shows. Um, and I think that that's the thing that makes... You know, obviously award shows have their own majesty and such that accompany it, but also it gives you something else to watch other than just like the ballot that you fell out the day of. You kind of have a longer history and you're kind of following these folks. And I, I, I think, you know, what we've seen from kind of surveying the folks that we, uh, who, who play with us, they're more likely to go out and see more movies because they're like, oh, hey, I drafted all these people. I actually want to go see Don't Look Up or I want to go see these movies um, that I wasn't necessarily going to because... I just throw on my radar now. I do have to put you on the spot. It's November, four months, five months from now. No guts, no glory. Do you know what's winning Best Picture? <gasps> oh, shit. I think like the the common, or I guess like the odds on favorite, at least it could be Licorice Pizza. PTA, it's time. Yeah, it's PTA. It's like, I think people have yeah. been waiting for this. I think the thing is though, never sleep on Adam McKay and Leonardo mm. DiCaprio. And mm-hmm. I think everybody's sleeping on it. It's coming out on Netflix. It's not getting like the same publicity right now. But when you have that movie, I would not be surprised if it does extraordinarily well, and especially if it wins in some of the smaller award shows, especially picking up some comedy nominations. It could start to build some momentum you know, going into the early right. next year. So I know it's not on a lot of, I, I could be completely wrong. Don't look up, could do terribly. But I think that that's one of the ones that I'm thinking, like, that's the dark horse that it, when, when more starts to come out about it, I, I, we could see some movement. Well, thank you for coming on. Let us know where we can find you. Give us all the star draft information we can handle, what you have coming up, when the, when the rankings go out, all the info. For sure. So uh, really easily, you can find us at thestardraft.com. Uh, you can also find us at Stardraft underscore on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at PQ Burke, P-Q-B-O-U-R-K-E on Twitter as well, where I occasionally tweet about uh, movies and film and sports, but also a lot about community colleges because that's the line of work I'm in typically in my day job. at least. Oh, yeah. So if you're ever interested in that as well. Patrick, thank you so much for being on. We look forward to having you on for a great fight in the future. And uh, yeah. we're really excited <laughs> for the Star Draft to come up. Get a khaki movie locked and loaded for Patrick <laughs> to come on for a full episode. Absolutely. No, I, I really thank you all for having having me on and allowing me to share a little bit about the Star Draft. It's something we like to, to do and have a good time with. And it's always a pleasure to chat with folks who enjoy films like yourselves. And we back, and we back, yeah. Hey, this ain't no intro, this the entree. All right, y'all, thanks again for chatting with us, Patrick. Now, the moment of truth. What are we fighting about today? Joshua. Yeah. The four of us, with some friends and family, sat down for Marvel's latest entry in the MCU, Eternals. Watched, unguided, 
We have helped them progress. And seen them accomplish wonders. Throughout the years, we have never interfered. Until... How do I summarize this? Um, I'll take it from IMDb. Eternals is a 2021 action. It's a comic book movie. They're their own genre now. Starring Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harington, Kamal Nanjiani, Brian Tyree Henry, Barry Cogan, Lauren Ridloff, uh, Mandong Tsuk, Harish Patel, and Leah McHugh as well. That's right. And others that we'll talk about later in the episode. The Eternals is the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. Obviously. Um, but as with all new releases, we're going to start with a spoiler-free review first. I really enjoyed it. Um, it gets a little long. It gets a little convoluted, which we'll dive into more after spoilers. And like we always say with new releases, going in blind is tricky. It's risky. But I had a good fucking time. It's Chloe Zhao. Every frame is a painting with her. She has an exact vision that she wants. I'd say for the most part, she gets it in this. I think the performances are great. I think it's I think it's incredibly cast. As always, Sarah Finn and Jason Samey have outdone themselves in this. I loved it. It's not one of my favorites. I think it's upper mid-tier for me in terms of MCU movies. But I fully enjoyed it, and I did not regret watching it. Lacey, let's go with you next. <laughs> The safe choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a great time with Eternals. This did not feel like a traditional Marvel movie. And maybe that's why I had a good time. I'm not a diehard fan. If you haven't listened to the pod before and this is your first time listening to us, I am not a diehard Marvel fan, but I enjoy Marvel movies. This definitely didn't feel like a traditional Marvel movie. It felt very literary classic storytelling there was a lot of character development and a lot of exposition and usually exposition bothers me but I thought it was really well done you have a cast of just phenomenal rock star performers delivering the dialogue and delivering this information it's just beautiful to look at and I I do have to agree that it definitely ran a little long <laughs> for my liking. But overall, I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> I want to say Mel for last. Uh, Rashawn? <laughs> uh, so I, I really wanted to love this movie. I really did. Um, obviously, the the talent behind it had me really excited. I'm a big fan of the writer and Nomadland. And... Um, the cast is incredible, like Josh and, La Josh and Lacey have said. And so I, I went in with high hopes. Um, a little behind the scenes tidbit. I was supposed to host this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am not hosting this episode. <laughs> I imagine this is probably what it felt like. This is probably what it would have felt like had we not gotten phase one of the MCU and we just started with Avengers. Mm. And... It's a little lost at sea for me um, because there are 10 characters that we have to introduce, none of whom we've seen before. And they're played by amazing actors, movie stars who are doing great stuff. But 
that's a lot of the the hefty two and a half hour runtime. So I don't want to say I disliked it, but I did not like it. And I think this is like firmly maybe my very first actual middle of the road where there are things that I really, really dug and things that I did not like very badly. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I thought we were going to go in and get a Chloe Zhao film. And I think more so we got a an MCU film directed by Chloe Zhao, Mm. which Mm. to me is a little bit different. Um, But we'll talk about all that in spoilers. I'm a thumbs in the middle. <laughs> Let's keep that thumb moving that same direction on to Mella. Hey, um, this movie was chicken with no seasoning for me. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Well, it's still <laughs> chicken. Asked. It's still chicken. I'm going to eat it. But am I enjoying it? Ah, not so much. I'm going to talk about you on the ride home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, everything you guys have previously mentioned, and this was just exposition for like an hour and a fucking half. We we have 10 characters, and we have to introduce them all, but what happens with movies like this, because it is the first one, is that by the time we get to like the seventh or eighth character, they don't even get like fully rounded backstories. Mm-mm. We're like, oh, and by the way, here she is. Um, She was reading books the whole time. And you're like, oh, okay, we're moving on. So not to get like into the deep spoilers, I feel like that is always like a little pet peeve for me in movies where it's like we spend, we clearly know who the main characters are, but then the movie is telling us, but these are all the main characters. And we're spending so much time with three or four of them. And then the whole gang isn't getting their due. And one of the most interesting of the gang, like mm-hmm. one of the most compelling characters in the gang yeah. is getting kind of brushed aside as far as backstory. I agree there. Suicide Squad itself is like, you know, garbage, but it has it has the same type of thing where it's like a lot the of people. The new one? No, 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 no. The first okay. one. You know, it's a gang of people. We all want to hear their backstories. By the time we get to the lizard man or whatever the fuck he is, we don't hear <laughs> shit about him. And we're like, oh, wait, okay, we just got to I guess we just have to know. And I feel like this movie had a lot of that. What was the chicken for you? Was it the cast? I mean, what was good about it, you said? The cast, I think it was shot really well. Like, I mean, it visually looked really pretty. It had a little romance. You know I will eat that up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A little love triangle, Her. even. Yeah, a little love triangle, love some Betrayal. Drama. Ooh. So there was definitely things in there that I liked about it, because at one point, Rashawn turned to me, he's like, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing all right. But that was like one hour in. <laughs> and then Chuck back with me, and I was like, baby, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> we got to go. Again, before we get into spoilers, what do you guys think was more beautiful? The shots or the cast? It's a draw for me. <laughs> so I'm going to be honest. A movie gets a thumbs up for me if I get to just stare at Richard Madden for two hours. I mean, yeah. Good, good God. I think he might be more attractive than Chris Pine. <gasps> Said wow. here first, folks. I don't know. Get ready for talking. that breakup text. Seriously, Chris Pine, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who said we were monogamous? Oh. <laughs> oh my God. All right, live your life. <laughs> this is all news to me, by the way. <laughs> all right um should we should we get into spoiler territory let's do it before this tale bloody revenge 
reaches its climax. I have a few unanswered questions. It's our little secret. My girlfriend already seen the movie. She said they don't need to say the Obviously, the big turn in this is that the Eternals are there to protect Earth simply so the Celestials can farm living beings to birth a new Celestial. Um, and that does not sit well with some of them, and some of them have a blind allegiance uh, to their Celestial uh, creator. Uh, another big turn is that the Eternals are basically synthetic beings. They're not even living. A lot of turns and twists, and I think the actually really compelling deviant storyline suffered because of it. I was very interested in the deviants essentially being foils to the Eternals. They were sentient beings who were created to hunt predators who they themselves became predators and the Eternals were created to then destroy them. And as the movie goes on, we're seeing them evolve faster and faster, so much so that Bill Skarsgård's crow gains sentience and, and vows revenge and 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 they kind of get pushed to the wayside which was probably my biggest bugaboo with the movie and i get it i get they have to achieve the sort of more overarching story because this movie is i think going to be required watching going forward with marvel i was really interested in the deviants storyline and and what was going on with them and then bigger threats had to appear so usually in these movies at one point, I start feeling lost, right? I feel like, Lacey, we've talked about this, me and you started like, trailing off. Mm -hmm. And this I didn't. And I guess because this was a lot of exposition. But in that, there were so many storylines. And I feel like just choose one or even two. Because by the time we're getting to the end, we know how you said, like, we have to watch the second one because they're going to come back. It's going to be a part of the storyline. But it just feels like, why can't we just have this movie by itself? Why can't it just be number one, Eternals by itself? Let this just be the storyline. And I feel like I'm getting at my cat with the men in suits. <laughs> I just can't fucking do it anymore. They, you know, they're smart in saying like, okay, we're going to bring back this audience for a second one, a third one, perhaps, because obviously they want to know more. Let's just tie up the loose ends and make this movie one full movie, one big fat movie and mm -hmm. let it be. Cuz we'll come back for the second one. It's got Angie in it. It's got Angelina Jolie. I'm going to see her do her thing in the second one. I agree with you, Mella. There was a lot of conflict and a lot of drama in this mm -hmm. movie. A lot that could have gone into a part two. I really enjoyed everything that was happening with the deviants. And I mean, you set it up in that opening scene with them coming to attack Cersei and Sprite. That set up the deviants as the big bads for the movie. I mean, what a cool power that they're stealing the powers from the Eternals as they're eliminating them. Just to have the main big bad deviant have such an anticlimactic yes. death. I like that Thena was the one to take the deviant down, obviously, after the, that deviant was the one to kill Gilgamesh, but it just felt very abrupt, and I was disappointed because I was like, oh, I thought this was the thing, the, the thing to yeah. continue on, like the thing that they'll keep fighting, but no, it's going to be this ethereal, overpowering, God 
that they now have to battle, which to me is harder to get excited about because they're all powerful and they control everything. They literally control you. So I don't know. I would have been totally fine if Deviant Prime had gotten away and was a looming threat for future movies. Yeah. No, 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 no. (laughs) Don't start this shit. Why not? (laughs) This movie. Kill people and let them stay. If Gilgamesh comes back, I'm going to scream. Don't do it. (laughs) But he absolutely is. They've talked about that they've been like reincarnated before. So they're all coming back. I know. And if it hadn't, if Loki hadn't died like four times and come back, then this whole Gilgamesh and Thena connection would have had so much weight with me. And Angelina Jolie can sell fucking shit to a toilet like she is so <laughs> she's so good she's man. unbelievable in this it's just like a it's a circle of life and i can't i can't get out i cannot get out because it's gonna it's just gonna be like okay yes thank you we we touched your heart for a second but don't worry because you know don lee is a great actor and we'll bring him back later because resurrect him and we're in the multiverse i am just like god put it <laughs> when will it end like I don't I know we don't want to get to the end credits yet, but even not talking about the post credit scenes, the last shot of the movie doesn't even feel satisfying or final because it's a shot of Kit Harrington who has legit maybe fifteen minutes in the whole movie. He's delightful in it though. He's so sweet. Well, sure, that's why you hire Kit Harrington, but <laughs> I mean he's literally in the movie to be in the next movie. Yeah. Yeah. You could have put the mid credit scene almost at the end of the movie and just had the end credit scene be its own thing. Yeah, I can see that. Um, this movie is catching a lot of praise and, uh, as goes with it, flack um, for being by far the most diverse Marvel movie ever made, including its first definitively gay superhero with Brian Tyree Henry's fastest. Specifically, though, I wanted to talk about one thing, but I wanted to talk about Richard Madden's Scottish dialect for a second. Um, it's about halfway through the movie, maybe a little bit deeper. Uh, just it was cutting up. We was cutting up. <laughs> Incessant giggling uh, from two seats over, and I look over expecting to see some rowdy teens. That's just Mel and Rashawn. <laughs> and don't know why. If you've seen the movie, this was during the Amazon scene, so pretty heavy stuff. <laughs> really diving into Druig's backstory, which I want to touch on that also after this. But I inquired after the fact what was so funny during that scene. And um, Mel, why don't you let me know what you said? Well, there was two things. Oh, there was two. I only know <laughs> I one. Think one. There were several. There were we several. were cutting the fuck up, and well, I the apologize. First, the first thing... <laughs> was which i don't even think we said did no one wear any lip chap for this whole two hours and (laughs) 60 million minutes of this whole movie except for angie and then we just were like anybody will come on screen dry lips dry lips dry lips dry lips (laughs) so my issue in this one is not the wigs it's the lips i did not even (laughs) catch that yeah lips lips were dry well you see i wouldn't have caught it if the exposition wasn't dragging the fuck on (laughs) fuck and she said that shit i did and then i think rashawn was like the budget was low for vaseline (laughs) i 
that there was no line in the budget for lips. <laughs> what was the other thing, Rashad? Yeah, what you was- talked about our dear handsome boy Richard Madden and who he sounded like during the movie. <laughs> because, as we know, there's only one Scottish character ever. So anyone with a Scottish dialect sounds like who, Mila? Like Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Is giving all he can talking about talking about the sustainability of life in the universe and the sacrifices it takes and how one person has to sacrifice for the greater good of billions and all she sees is shrek that's it like as soon as it hit my mind that's all i could hear when barry kogan spoke all you heard was the lucky charms leprechaun no 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 it was just shrek for me baby in this (laughs) one that's it okay speaking of Eric Kogan's Druid and Lauren Rid- Ridloff's Makari. I wanted more on those, dude. And nothing to take mm-hmm. away from Gemma Chan Cersei, but like I got plenty of Cersei. I understood her life. Druig creating what he thinks is like a, a perfect civilization in deep in the heart of the Amazon. And like that's so interesting to me. Why did Makari hide away on the ship for 500 years? There was so much interesting stuff there that I think we missed out on. Especially with the relationship that they developed between Makari and Druig. Okay, why did you guys spend 500 years apart if you're clearly in love with each other? Right. That's exactly what I meant at the top. It's like, we get here and we're like, oh, she's just been sitting up in the ship for 500 years reading? And then we don't get an explanation. And I'm like, dude, she's like the fucking coolest bitch. What are we doing here? I will say... If I lived forever, I would probably spend a good amount of time reading books. So I don't fault her for that. And there's a really interesting thing that another superhero property, Invincible on Amazon, touches on with speedsters, with The Flash or Quicksilver or Macari, because they move so fast and they process so fast, time moves slow to them. And so not only is Macari living this eternal life, but she's living it at a much slower rate than anybody else is. So that's also something that she gets bored faster. She mentions how bored she gets. I don't want to say a little too much Cersei because Gemma Chan's great and the character's great, but comparatively, a little too much Cersei. We got a little too much Kingo, if I'm being honest. A little too much Kingo. I wanted to dislike Haroon, Harish Patel's character, the valet, but he was he was nice. No, he was so precious. <laughs> he was so that funny. is just textbook marvel yeah i I wasn't mad at it but no they could have spread the wealth a little bit more it was all worth it for his moment at the end when karun was leaving the ship that was a really really Mm -hmm. nice moment going back to to barry he he was my favorite performance in the whole movie in a a, among several great performances and i just think the idea of of his character is so cool and and kind of touches on what i wanted more from with the movie is this weight of being a literal god and having overwhelming power and in one of the flashbacks there's the conflict of him just wanting to take control of everyone's mind and stop all of this war and Ajax stops him and he kind of that's when he you know disbands and then you find him and he's literally started a cult and I know it's a little heavy for an MCU because they, for an MCU film, and they kind of dip their toe in it. But Icarus is, you know, has this weight of a crisis of faith where he he really wants to stay true to his 
purpose in life and what he was created for. And Druig also has this phenomenal power to, to control everyone around him. And, and they're kind of tugging with, should I or shouldn't I? And, you know, all of that is so, so, so heavy and, and really interesting and complex. But it's kind of, it's not given the full weight of, of what it could do because they're all so interesting but there's 10 of them so i think by a certain point we hadn't even met makari and fastos yet so yeah. it was no. just like yeah this is really interesting and 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 you know what druig is doing in the woods and the amazon is, is really cool and complex but we have to meet the last two and then we got to get to the final battle mm-hmm. and i was just like wait 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 go go back for a bit that's the no seasoning for me we have the meat we have it we can't spend all this time because there's 10, you know, it's just like, we have to just, okay, here's a little, a little nutshell. And then we got to move on. If the Eternals was like a sandwich, like a sub sandwich, what kind of sandwich would it be? Don't let me start <laughs> with the subs. Just the meat, but you got the dressing on the side. Like a cold cut combo, no cheese, dr- uh-huh. uh, mayo on the side. You got the cheese, but you didn't, you didn't toast it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mouth dry. Uh, jokes on y'all. I that's pretty much my exact order from about ages five to twelve from yep. Subway. Yep. <laughs> Who's shocked? You're the whitest person on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not by choice. <laughs> I could watch a full movie of Barry Cogan's Druig, both from his performance and the character as a whole. Um, I also think that Thena's whole arc and character would really drag or bomb or fall flat if it wasn't Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, agree. I think she's in blockbuster fashion. It feels like she was brought in for a fifth of the shooting dates. She had one day. She had maybe a, a handful of takes to nail these scenes. And it's like action. She nails it. Cut. Face goes blank. So what's uh, what's what's Crafty got for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> Angie's such a pro. It's this is a, a light a light day for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about my favorite thing to talk about, and it is the action set pieces, the action scenes. Oh boy, he says. Before I talk about the good, I will acknowledge one thing that stood out to me in this movie a lot. And it's something we haven't really run into in Marvel movies until now. But I th- I think we have, but it hasn't been this pronounced because Chloe Zhao is behind the camera. Is that her shots are so good and her practical landscapes are so beautiful and everything looks so good that... When it cuts from that to a CGI fight, the CGI stands out a lot. Yes. Like I said, it's not the first time that something like this has happened, but I think this is the most, most noticeable because it's Chloe Zhao's camera work. It didn't really bother me. And usually CGI animation, I don't want to say out of context because it's clearly in context with the action. It can really pull me out of a movie if it's done poorly. And I I didn't really feel that in this movie i thought it was pretty i think because there's superpowers and it wasn't all just physical attacks the whole time maybe Mm -hmm. that's why see that's interesting because the i was just about to say that the parts of the fights that i loved the most were the physical ones like anytime gilgamesh fought i think like there was heft to the scenes and like he moved really staccato and like he took his time with each punch and then anytime makari fought like the makari versus icarus scene so fucking good i was like shaking in my seat i was so excited that shit was incredible after he after he takes out druig and makari's just pissed like 
Oh, that scene was so good. With the King Owen Icarus, the laser eyes, and the finger guns, like, maybe I've seen enough energy blasts in my day, but they were good. I was a, really a sucker for, like, the physical fights in this. I agree with you, Josh, because in the beginning, before, like, all of the action scenes, I felt like it's very, it was very Chloe Zhao. Like, everything was very realistic and beautiful, and then when we get to the first deviant coming out of the water, ugh, like, I kind of had to reset. Because it just kind of threw me off. But then after, I'm like, oh, yeah, bitch, you're watching a superhero movie. Let's get into it. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But that juxtaposition between the two, it did throw me for a second. Mm-hmm. We're Sean. <laughs> What's up? I thought the opening prologue was dope as hell. And I was really excited because I was like, I have a really weird wish and, and everyone else in the theater might turn on me. But I hope that this is like, one of the only few action scenes we get in the whole movie and this is more like a meditative quiet film that didn't happen but it, at times it felt like the movie was at war with chloe and yeah. it was like mm. yes she's the director but also this is an mcu film don't forget you know right. this is i don't want to call it an assembly line because that kind of strips it of, of personality and i don't want to be you know, trite about it, but we have some more shit to get to. Mm-hmm. And it, it there was like a tug of war at times that I couldn't really settle in and enjoy the movie sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that before. The connective tissue of the MCU is not, not always a good thing. It can hamstring some movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take this one, for example, say you wanted more Druig or you wanted more Makari or you wanted more Festos. But you couldn't because we had to we had to ha- cover the celestial stuff and and we had to cover the celest uh, half born celestial being turned to stone while he's emerging, which is an insane thing that's going to have to be addressed later. <laughs> yeah, how 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 what? It's the universe against right ten. It's eternals. a lot. That's one thing I'm worried about with Marvel that happens a lot in anime. So. Bear with me, because this has a, a finish line that you'll understand. I'm going to talk about anime for a second. Um, we'll take Dragon Ball Z, the one everyone's heard of. Is that it started as, like, Goku and all his friends were taking place in fighting tournaments. And, like, they were fighting each other. Okay, cool. And then an alien invaded, and they have to get stronger than an alien. And now, to the point it's been decades, now Goku and his friends on Dragon Ball Z are fighting literal gods. Now, if there's going to be any stakes... The enemy has to be stronger than a god, and then the protagonists have to become stronger than that god. That's what I'm a little bit worried about. That's why I fucking love the first Ant-Man, because it's like a heist movie, and he's going up against a guy with a stolen Ant-Man suit. The higher we raise, yeah, the higher we raise the stakes, they're going to have to stay that high, and that, that makes me a little nervous. What if, hear me out. Okay, here we go. This movie, Eternals, mm-hmm. is, a, is a mini-series let's say eight to ten episodes that way we can get our episodes where the exposition has to be there you know we're we're spending 45 minutes to an hour with dane and cersei and the beginning of her life and then druig and Makari. like we get so the people that want these stories we're actually getting it and then it's just that that's just the mini series and then the movie is when all of the action is happening when we're like, okay, they really got to fight now. We really got to see this on the big screen because the miniseries was all 
Chloe Zhao is doing her thing. She set up the shots. Everything's beautiful. We can sit here and talk. And if we need to pause to get a beverage, we can do that. We're not in a movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second part, you're amped because you want to see the action on this huge, massive screen. And we're here for it. So something really planned out, like a 10 episode run of a superhero property (laughs) on HBO, perhaps. Mm, I don't know. Perhaps, but there's already Maybe a movie. Starring an Oscar winning actress. Yeah. Super dope. But there's like and a cape. Know, I saw the movie. Okay. Yeah. I think I think I could Busted. find something for you to watch. Boston, man. I'm not saying I want to watch it. I'm saying had this been done in a miniseries first, perhaps. But then but we are to your point, we're getting that, but they're spreading I don't know if they're spreading themselves too thin, but we've had three shows this year alone. Right. I, I, I'm i not quite where Mel is, but I'm on my way. I might be tapped out. Mm-hmm. By the end of, of Loki, I was like, what you doing, what you doing, what you doing, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't want to say a hard reset, but they need to like recenter everything. The, the thing mm-hmm. with the Avengers and when it was all connected to the Avengers is, yes, they were all... There was, there was Thor and there was Iron Man and there was Cap. But they were all kind of pointing in the same direction. But right now you have Loki and his branching timeline. And then Spider-Man is going to see Doctor Strange. And then it, you remember, it's starting to spiderweb a little bit. Speaking of spiderwebs. You remember nope. when like we had Tobey Maguire and he was our Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It was just like we had three. We felt good about it. And then we were just like, all right. Like I felt like there was a breather. We were excited for the second one and then the third one. And then like it just felt like normal every summer come see spider-man for three years and then we're good and now i just feel like everywhere i fucking turn we gotta be we gotta be looking we gotta be checking because i'm gonna go to the movie and i'm not gonna understand the storyline because i didn't watch the fucking show that's the thing is this this one at least you can you can go into it without prior knowledge but this one i feel like you're going to have to watch it for future films like with the celestials and like that's another big thing like a celestial showing his face over the planet dude that was the movie literally grinded to a halt so he could explain <laughs> what's happening to cersei and also <laughs> to yours truly because what <laughs> the hell it, it like complete it the twist or the turn that the movie takes it doesn't happen upon them they don't discover it he literally has to spell it out for her so she can go back and tell her family. And I just thought that was so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Especially because yeah. you get the, the same pseudo reveal with Icarus and Ajax. You get that already. So why are we telling it twice? Uh, I know Cersei gets Ajax to this sort of communication globe pretty early on. But I think that could have been remedied if... I don't know, have her memories be in it and the moment mm-hmm. it, she receives it, I don't know. It could. There's other ways of slimming that down a little bit where I kind of agree with you, Rashawn, as it took a long time to explain. You could feel the energy in the theater dip a little bit. It drops, yeah. Real quick, coolest deviant kill of the whole movie, uh, again, goes to Druig when they're in the Amazon and he does a goddamn flip over one and shoots him in the back of the head with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get out of town. That was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to beat Thena. I know. I mean, I was so sad that the Deviant was eliminated, but that was so fucking cool. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. And the only person that can sell that with their face alone. Angie. Is Angelina. Period. Yeah. 
Liam McHugh and Don Lee, we didn't talk about that much. And Salma Hayek. They're, like, everyone turned in a stellar fucking performance in this movie. Yeah. Go watch Train to Busan if you've ever seen it. Hell yeah. He's so good. He's, he's so dope in it. Um, all right, let's talk about the post-credits quick. Let's talk about the first one. Back on the ship. We're visited by Pip the Troll, a fucking deep cut of a comic character that about 15% of the theater chuckled at, voiced by the incomparable Patton Oswalt. His ability is he can teleport, and he teleports Thanos' brother Eros, otherwise known as Star Fox, played by fucking Harry Styles. Zaddy. What do we think? That was the worst CGI in like any recent movie I have seen in a long time. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. The troll? Yeah. What did you say, Josh? That he was a... Oh, uh, he he so looked perfect. a little under... He needed a little more time in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that maybe figuratively and literally. Maybe the CGI artist didn't have much time to make yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think he did. It was so not on par with the rest of the CGI in this movie. It was yeah. jarring. Like, it, I thought it was supposed to be comical. You're looking at Harry. I mean, I love Harry Styles. I think he, I think he's great in dunkirk um i it was just it was just a shoulder shrug i was like okay he's thanos's brother that's cool speaking of another character introduced the final end credit scene cut back to the secret main character of the movie dane whitman played by kit harrington finally reaches the ebony blade which was mentioned earlier in the movie that's a cool little little something something was it cool josh for me it was lacy can attest i reacted when they mentioned the ebony blade he grabbed my arm very tightly Anytime they did little cute asides, like, is that the Ebony Blade? No, this is Excalibur. King Arthur did always have a thing for you. I liked those. I don't yeah, know. It was, it was cute. Those were cute. Yeah. yeah. Like um, they made up the whole Icarus tale. Yeah, like Sprite just made up. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Speaking of the Icarus tale, Brian Tyree Henry delivering, I've always wanted to clip your wings, Icarus, as he like traps him with his inventions. So. But then we got to hear, sorry if you didn't know this and you watched the movie but this was confirmed by Chloe Zhao. The voice off screen in that was Mahershala Ali's Blade. Could have fooled me. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was tapped out. It's, I was tapped out. It's an inter- out. Yeah, that's what it is. It's an interesting, it's such a big deal, and Blade is such an important character to so many people. It's, it's fascinating that this is when and how this is technically his debut. I digress. Anything else anyone wants to mention? The post-credit scenes are not for pe- for the average Marvel viewer Mm-mm. at all. So I I know I need to stay and watch them to connect it to the next Marvel property. Also because I'm your ride home, <laughs> and I need to know what you're talking about. But I literally neither of those things meant anything to me. It, it's an unfortunate thing because I feel like the post-credit scenes for our previous Marvel movies, like the classics, always tied in to the story that was being told. And I guess this one does too, but like when you have such a vast universe of characters to pull from, you're you're inevitably going to alienate part of your audience Mm -hmm. who isn't in the know. Die hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I don't care. Yeah, with the post credits anymore. Like I don't, I don't get excited about them. I don't. I just know that they're leading into the next thing. Right. Petition to bring back bloopers or joke post credits, like yes. Avengers when they ate shawarma. Like 
they don't both have to be introducing new characters. They can just be, again, back to Ant-Man. Full-on cliffhanger when they get when he gets stuck in the quantum realm. That's a fucking post-credit, boy. That's a good one. <laughs> or an Ant-Man when the ant is playing the drums. Again, give me a joke one. <laughs> I got a bone to pick. We haven't fought this episode a lot. So oh, if, <laughs> if you're just now listening to this show because it's Eternals, welcome. Shit. Joshua's better. What's up? Middle name, I want to be spoiled about any and everything and tell y'all I got spoiled and then show y'all what I got spoiled about. (laughs) Yeah. What's up? What did you you send into the thread blurred out talking about you guys will never get what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Yeah. I got got the Harry Styles Why do you need to ruin my life every time there's a Marvel property out? And you, again, you are, I showed uh, photographic proof that it was spoiled against my will. And you're still calling me Mr. I want to be spoiled about everything. Because you do, Because why did you You have to send it to us? Because misery loves company. And I am miserable. Don't, you cannot tell me on this, on this here Sunday that you do not go looking for spoilers sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And upon them. Lacey's face says he does. Yeah. Yeah, but this, this time, one time, this time maybe you were a victim, but then you became our attacker. Oh yeah, what did I spoil for you? You literally sent a screenshot of Harry and scribbled his face out. <laughs> no, I'm gonna post it to our Instagram. I didn't scribble his face out. I scribbled out everything. I his mean, there was body. no way to tell it was Harry Styles. There's... I it doesn't out matter. Everything. It's literally. It, you it's... said. You said. I found out blank is in the post credit scene, yeah. sends the screenshot, and, like, put green over it. And I'm like, well, maybe I didn't want to know. Know what? What did you not want to know, though? That someone was someone knew it was in the post credits. Well, then, he's a baby. I'm a baby? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like Harry? <laughs> he's like one... You're a menace. Of the you members menace. of One Direction. Have you ever, my favorite have you ever considered that was my objective, is to be a menace? Your, your WandaVision era... Menace. Hey, there's a difference. There is a difference between spoilers and uh, theories. With spoiler knowledge in the back of your mind, they're always going to be a spoiler to me because I don't know shit about shit. Same. Comic knowledge does not equal spoilers. I don't know. I don't know a lot, but I think Evan Peters might show up. I don't know a lot, but I feel like uh, Mephisto's in this. I don't know a lot, but I feel like Kang is about to show up. I'm like Josh. I don't know shit. So <laughs> drink anytime someone in this world said Mephisto to me. I was like, who the fuck is Mephisto? <laughs> He's. Do you really no, want to know? Let's let's play the game. <laughs> let's play no, the game. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. Don't start that shit. <laughs> I am not the host. <laughs> Again, maybe my only goal in life. Is to be a menace. Maybe it's the only time I feel any emotion now. Maybe. I think, I've, I think I'm very good to you. <laughs> well. When? When? Be bad. When are you not? I'd be like, hey, good morning, Josh. Uh, Jonathan Majors has been confirmed as King the Conqueror. Like, God damn. I'm sorry. Is sending you a deadline article spoiling something now? <laughs> Which is why, which is why I had to say what I said regarding an upcoming horror movie, and Josh and Carmela still had to be terrorists. Dude, I spoiled a little song thing recently. I'm sorry. Again, <laughs> oh my God, again, Carmella. I did, I did. 
again, dude. I'm not gonna make it to January. I'm not gonna make it. I because of your two friends, like not even because of the media. The, to be fair, to be fair, I just said an actress that was in the movie, and I know that he hadn't. I thought he had knew the cast, so I was like, "Oh yeah, this person." This I'm person. on Mellow's side with that. You, the cast. He's blocked everything. He told you guys he has blocked everything. He wants no information. The cast. We no. went to see Soho, and I just casually put my head down and put my earphones in. Did I do anything? Yes, you did. No, I don't remember you what you said. Thread. You leaned over afterwards, and you were like, it was so fucking good. It's no, so I did that in. Good. <laughs> okay. And? Minutes. What does that spoil? What rude. That spoil? It's fucking rude. I was told not to spoil anything, not to be not rude. <laughs> my love for so you fucking... is tested every day. Every day. We need a tighter rule set. If a movie comes out or a show comes out, I need to be explicitly Here's told. Here's the rule. Carmela and Josh, shut mm. up. You were explicitly told and you're not following directions. What have I spoiled? What have I spoiled? You I know did, what? Spoil, I, spoil Marvel away. Just Sydney and crew, hush. I have not spoiled anything about Scream 5. I've just been a little brat about it. And um, it I is was just not... Scream. Thank you very much. Well, as far as our final MCU film, do what you want to do. I don't care at this point. I am... Sucked dry. <laughs> I might have deleted that uh, Harry Styles picture. It was basically a screenshot of, hey, look at this, and then... It's on a thread. Red, it's on a thread. Red scribbles. Yeah, I'll find it. There's no way you could glean whether it was a man, woman, child, black or someone. white. It was someone. Of course it point. was someone. It could have been It could have been the Avengers eating... What did? What were they eating? Ash. Uh, Gabagool. Sure, Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to play a game? Me, goddammit. Oh my god. <laughs> I want to play a game. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I despise guessing games. Come on, boy. Boy, play with me. Riddle me that. My head hurts already. Oh, goodness. You guys still mad at me? Uh, not, eh. We'll uh, I kind of teeter in between. So, yeah, maybe a little bit. Let's play some trivia. Ah! Better. Uh, ten Eternals that inspire mythology uh, throughout their lives. So, ten mythology-related trivia questions. You need to work together, though. You're I'm accumulating your scores, So, but it's all about individual performance for the team, much like the Eternals. Mm. Mm. I want to be... Yeah, who do you want to be? Dina. Dina? Lacey? I want to be Druig. Druig? Mella? It's gonna be Makari. Yeah. She... Oh, Mella, we're in love. Oh, hi, babe. Hey. I'm losing my mind every minute. <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> my eyes gone white. <laughs> what is the name? This is just for Mella. What is the name of Thor's magical hammer? Thunder hammer. <laughs> <laughs> That's incorrect. The answer is Mjolnir. Oh, ask someone else. No, that's Mella's question. Ugh. That's crazy. People know that. Yeah. Um. It's mm-hmm. yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like one of the most whatever. Thunderhammer. Lacey. Yeah. Before she was cursed, Medusa was a priestess of the Church of which god? I don't know. We had a guess. Come on, Lacey. You read books. Come on. I got you. Take a while, guess. I, I don't, don't know. You, I feel like you. That is Athena. 
Medusa was a priestess for Athena before she was cursed. We have a deviant hosting this week's episode. You do. You do. Rajon. Why? Ancient Egyptians praised Bastet, who represented what animal that was culturally sacred? The cat? That is correct. Good job, Rashawn. One point for the Eternals. Yes. Ruling the world. Chill. They don't rule the world. I don't know why you said that. Uh, Mela. I mean, they could. <laughs> Mela. Yes. In Greek lore, whose beauty launched a thousand ships? Um. Wait. Me. Me. Uh. This is also a Scream 2 trivia. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my god, oh my god, I know Five. this. No! Can I pass it? Mm-hmm. And then I'll get Rashawn's question? Nope. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Pass it to Rashani. Cassandra. No, it's Helen. Ah! ay ay Helen and Troy. ay ay boy. Hey, Lace. we're in the same story. Lacey. I hate trivia. <laughs> what? I hate trivia so much. Where do all Norse warriors go upon death? Hades? I do know this one. Pass it to me. <laughs> I'm more confident than the Cassandra one. It's not Hades. That's Greek. Norse as in like please, the Vikings. I know it's the Viking. I don't know. They go out on a ship and then they shoot an arrow and they burn them. Good job. Me and Lacey. You're not going to get a point for this, Rashawn, but who is Why? Because it's not your question. How, how are we the Eternals and we can't work together? You're the... Answer the question. What do you think it is? Valhalla. Correct. You know, I'll give that point to Lacey. Valhalla? Valhalla, yeah. Okay. And Rashawn's question now goes to Mela. Um, In Roman mythology, who is the messenger to the gods? Oh, my God. Okay. Three. Oh. Pip. Two. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It is Mercury. The The name of my character I'm playing? Um... All right. In true Eternals fashion, there's going to be a Act Three turn. Turns out Rashawn is actually Icarus because Rashawn is now going to be by himself. It is Rashawn versus Mela and Lacey, oh, buzzing Lord. in for the final four questions. What happened? Okay. Hey, you Mister Know It All. You knew so many. Pass to me. Pass to me. So, congrats, Icarus. Oh my! I get chastised for trying to help my teammates. Turns Truly. out you're trying. Turns out you're trying to steal the glory all along. Truly Icarus. the devil. So, now it's buzzing. It is Mela and Lacey versus Rashad. Okay. Come on, Lace. We got this. Yeah. Obviously. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Who is the Greek goddess of victory? Mela. Xena. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Damn, dude. Um, Damn. You could say maybe on her shield she had a sort of a swoosh, if you would. Lacey? Nike. That is correct. <laughs> Is the Greek goddess of victory. <laughs> Garbage. Melly, did you know Nike was a god? Yes. Wait, are you serious? Yes, Nike is the Greek goddess of victory. Wait, what? That's not a joke. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm serious. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The earliest known piece of human literature is the epic of whom? Rashawn. Homer? No, it actually predates Homer by a few hundred years. Ready for the hint? Yes. It's in the movie. It's in Eternals. There's like ten 
references to gods in Three. the Eternals. That's not a good hint. Two. Well, Gilgamesh. It's the Epic of Gilgamesh. In Norse mythology, there is a series of catastrophes that will ultimately lead to the end of the world. What is that called? Rashawn? Pompeii? No. The end of days. Your hint is uh, this is touched upon in a previous MCU film. Rashawn? Ragnarok. It is Ragnarok. That is correct. Final question. This one is worth five points. Mela, just answer something. Okay. In Greek mythology, Zeus is the youngest of six siblings. Name the other five. No. Let's wrap it up, Josh. Lacey. Hades. <laughs> That's correct. Um. You guys are tied, so you need one more <clears throat> to beat Icarus. One more. Lacey. What? What's the one? Poseidon. Poseidon oh. is correct. His sisters are Hestia, Hera, and Demeter. Lacey and Mela, you defeated Icarus. Hey! Three to two. How did I choose Thena and end up as Icarus? Oh, okay, you were Thena and you turned on them. How about that? Does that feel better? Damn. Not really, Josh. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping things up, it seems that we've come to the conclusion that Chloe Zhao has got an eye for cinema. Uh, Angelina Jolie is unmatched. And... Include more deaf people in your movies. Yeah. Because awesome. uh, Makari was fucking great. We do not have a round of six degrees of separation for you this week because next week we are doing a special episode for you guys. So tune in to find out what it is. <laughs> little cliffhanger for you. little post-credit. Ooh. You like that? A little ant playing the drums. Little man playing the drums. That's it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we'd love if you took a moment, like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinephile Attack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or you just want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Josh, Mella, Lacey, and Rashawn. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.